Hello and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, in a very special early morning recording where Nick and I are both in our jammies, I'm going to be talking about nettles and the dogda. Ooh. Yeah. Fun times. So I'm going to be talking about the very real magic of saunas. And if you didn't know, you're going to know. Yeah, I'm really excited because this was one that I feel like kind of felt out of left field. And then you like had so much cool stuff to talk about. I was like, okay, okay, come through saunas. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Uh, I I certainly didn't. I certainly Uh, didn't. Me neither. So uh, anyway, Nick, before we get going, when did you feel magical this week? Oh my God. I knew this question was coming, of course. (laughs) Um, But no, truly, 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 um, this week when I felt the most magical was actually, oh my God, there's a couple, there's a couple. Um, But what I will say is actually I ran into someone that we both know last night and I'm not going to say names, but um, I had remembered the name of this person for apparently like 12 years. Fun. Yeah, just haven't seen them basically in uh, a million years. And I was like, oh my God, are you first and last name? And they were like, what the fuck, who are you? But then then, uh, we all recognized each other, so... Um, my, I, I think that's one of my secret superpowers because I remember one time I actually ran into this this guy at a different bar and I had met him one time at a party literally eight years prior and I was like oh first and last name and it was like who the fuck are you like he didn't remember me at all um <clears throat> and you were like surprise bitch surprise. it's me it's I'm me. Brittany <laughs> um <laughs> I love that well, for me, I I have for a long time needed an altar cloth to like cover my altar area and I finally got one. So I, I just really liked like kind of cleaning up my magical space, doing a little bit of like kind of like a Beltane clean because <laughs> things have been very weird in my life for the last uh, month plus for everyone who knows. So it was just good to like get in here and like straighten up i mean as a virgo there's nothing more satisfying than cleaning and doing it in my magical space felt really good so you know i i was gonna say i feel like this is kind of that week too because i had gotten that new bed which i'm I'm on so you know it's like i don't know this is it just kind of looks like a bed but i also like um, this like OnlyFans shot of you oh my god right right? (laughs) um very sensual but I did you know so I had to kind of like do a top-down clean in my room because you can't just I mean because basically I had to get everything out of the way to put the bed together yeah and then at that point you might as well just deep clean your room because you're already two-thirds of the way done well exactly and there's nothing that makes you feel like a new person quite like a deep clean oh my god truly 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 yeah but I want to know I want to know about nettles nettles oh my god okay First of all, I know that as an herbalist, I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to have a favorite herb. I think it's like 
like parents aren't supposed to have a favorite child, but they all do. They all do. I mean, let's not lie. And nettles are mine. Like, I'm not going to lie. Nettles are mine. Um, They're not only like super good for you, but they're also like really affordable and accessible to most people. I'm actually like, this is my daily like tea that I have. This is it like brewed. It's like a little swampy looking, but it's like, this is my blend that I do. So there are nettles in here, but um, it's like nettles and oat straw and red clover flower and go-to cola. And then I add like matcha to it for my like Ooh. daily tea blend. Um, so let's like talk about nettles though, because like this mix, like for those of you that can see it, this is like I would say it's like 60% nettles and then 40% everything else because I am just obsessed. I also have my Nana on a nettles regimen that has really been helping her with like her knees and stuff. So it's like, I'm not just talking the talk with nettles. Like I walk the nettle walk. It's wow. uh, it's really important to me. So nettle or urtica diaca. Um, is a herbaceous perennial. It's native to the temperate regions of Europe and Asia, but it's like now worldwide, like even in New Zealand. And this little guy has been used for thousands, thousands of years for like all sorts of things. So like for at least nearly 3000 years, we know that nettles have been used to make clothing and textiles because ancient like nettle textiles from the Bronze Age were found in Denmark. And there's also like one of those widely held kind of like colloquial beliefs that's not proven but like a lot of people say like oh well like the german army uniforms in world war one were all made from nettles because there was a cotton shortage um there's no proof on that but it's like i love when like weird things like that just become like common knowledge so most recently though companies in austria and germany have started to produce uh commercial nettle textiles which i really love um, also, in indigenous justice systems in Ecuador, urtication was used as a punishment for severe crimes. And urtication is when, like, basically someone gets flogged with stinging nettles. And in this case, they would do it in public while the person's naked and while also showering them with freezing cold water. Um, for anyone who's read Diana Gabaldon's, like, Outlander series, there is also, like, talk of flogging with stinging nettles in that book as well so like that's a thing um which i just i'm like weird also though this was my favorite like weird nettle fact that i didn't know in the uk there's actually an annual world nettle eating championship in dorset so people try to eat like as much raw nettle as they can. So they're given like two foot stalks of the plant and then they like strip the leaves and try to eat them during like a set amount of time. And apparently the competition was like started in like the 80s because there were two neighboring farmers like arguing over who had the worst like nettle infestation. And one of them apparently said, I'll eat any nettle of yours that's longer than mine. So I just thought that was like so weird, but also fascinating. Also, um, that, that makes my mouth itchy. Oh, I know. I know. But nettles are like, once you cook them, they taste really, really similar to spinach. So they're actually used in like 
all sorts of culinary pre uh, preparations. So like in Northern and Eastern Europe, nettle soup is pretty common. And nettles are also sometimes used in cheese making, things like Cornish Yang, or even like some Goudas will use nettle as like a flavoring. Nettles are also used in like Montenegro, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina as part of a dough filling for the Boric pastry. And so the top baby leaves of nettle are like simmered and then they're mixed in with other ingredients like herbs and rice before being used as like a filling between dough layers. And in Greece, the tender leaves are often used like after simmering as a filling for um, hortopita, which is similar to spanakopita, but with uh, wild greens rather than spinach for filling. So like- well, Spanakopita is what I was imagining when you were like between layers of dough. I was yeah. like, oh. So good. Maybe it's hortopita. I don't know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm not like super familiar with Greek stuff, but it sounds delicious. So there's all sorts of fun to be had with nettles, right? But the plant itself also plays like a really important role in ecosystems all over the world, which, you know, as a green witch, very important to me. So they're the larval food for several different like butterfly species, including the peacock butterflies uh, and as well as like moth species. And the roots are like the larval food of the ghost moth. So like they're also really important for our fluttery friends. And they love growing, like nettles grow in understories or like on the banks of creeks and streams. So they're also like a really, really good indicator of soil health, right? So if you have a lot of land or even just like a big garden and you find like a corner where like nettles are kind of popping off, that's a really good indicator actually that there's good like phosphorus and nitrogen levels in there because they love really rich soil. And they also contain nitrogenous compounds. So if you're someone that does composting, you know how important like nitrogen is to getting your compost like heating up and actually breaking down. So nettles are a really good addition to compost piles to help get them working. Cause it's all about like the balance of the greens and the browns, right? When you're doing compost. Also, if you have chickens, Nettles are one of the only plants that can tolerate and actually like flourish in soil that is rich in poultry droppings. So yeah, gross, but also fun. I really want chickens. If I had land, I would have chickens and apparently also grow nettles near them. So you want to either grow it or forage it. Of course you do. I feel like nettles are actually like a really, really good candidate for foraging. But the plant itself, if you're looking for it, grows like two to six feet tall. And they're on this like fibrous stem that actually has like deep grooves that run along its length. So that's like a really good way to like identify it. And the leaves are dark green, ovate, and they're like sharply toothed with a heart-shaped base and like a really pointy tip on the leaf. And the leaves are opposite in pairs and they become like progressively smaller towards the top of the stem. And when they like flower, the flowers are actually like really inconspicuous green flowers that kind of like droop from the bunches uh, from like the leaf axles. And all of it, though, like including like the leaves and the stems are covered with these like tiny hollow hairs that are tipped with silica. So nettles will spread rapidly by runner, you know, think like mint. So if you want to grow one, I'd suggest maybe like sticking to an area that's a bit out of the way, which is also good because of their sting. 
Um, but because they're spread by runners, you will also like when you're foraging for them or trying to find them, right, you'll often find them in these really like dense colonies. So that's another good thing to like be on the lookout for if you're trying to find it. So, you know, there again, if you're foraging, make sure that you're foraging in a place where that's groovy, like don't, you know, break into someone's personal property. Uh, again, a good rule of thumb is to be at least 50 feet away from a road or a street if it's something you're going to eat so you're not getting that like oil runoff into it. But nettles are pretty like abundant, especially in the Pacific Northwest in the U.S. Like they're kind of all over the place. But, you know, you're going to be looking out for like places with dappled sunlight near streams or creeks that have really rich soil and then look for the big dense colonies. But if you want to grow it, you know, you can like sow the seeds directly or buy seedlings. Again, you're going to want to find a place that has like light shade or even dappled sunlight. So if you're growing them, it's a good thing to put in like a corner or a place that like you can't really grow a lot of other herbs or vegetables because there's not enough light because the nettles do like some of the shade. And when you're ready to harvest, either if you find them in the wild or if you're growing them, you're going to want to of course, make sure you're wearing protections. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But you can harvest like the stalks, the leaves, the seeds, and even like the roots to make a variety of different preparations. So again, long sleeves, gloves, like really protect yourself if you're going to be harvesting these. Because the way the stinging sensation actually works, um, it's caused by the formic acid and the histamine that's contained in those like tiny hairs that are all over the plant. And so when those hairs touch your skin, like they kind of penetrate your skin, break off and release their chemicals. So like nettle stings last for quite a while. And once the plants dried or cooked though, like that sting disappears. But if you do get stung, rosemary and sage are supposed to help ease the pain of a sting and yellow dock is also supposed to help. Um, like you're supposed to take the leaves of yellow dock and like rub it because yellow dock often is found uh, in the wild, especially growing near nettle. And there's this old rhyme, uh, nettle in, dock out, dock rub the nettle out. I don't know how well that works. There's not like a lot of scientific proof that it works, but you know, it's worth a also, shot. I hate that they rhymed out without. Yeah, but you that, know. That's lazy, I'm just saying. It is lazy writing. <laughs> uh, but I have personally like gotten into a patch of nettles when I was younger and ow. It, it well, hurts. I, you know, it's like, um, is nettle, is nettle related to what we call in Texas bull nettle? Yeah. Yeah. Bull nettle is a type of nettle. So bull nettle is the nettle that I got into because it's like all over the place in Texas. Yeah. 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 No, it's not I, the same version, but like it's in the Urtica family. Well, and it's, I, I would imagine it's a similar sting because what I was going to say is that, um, you know, as like a an ADHD child, or I think any any child can relate to this, but I used to love to just roll down a hill. Oh yeah. Like roll down a grassy hill. Like you There's just There's nothing down. that feels so like you feel so wild. You and really free. feel um free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um of course you get into the the patch of bull metal and then you have to cover, cover, cover yourself in calamine lotion because it's I guess what I'm saying is it's fucking itchy. So please yeah. do do heed the safety advice here because that's yeah. no joke. That's it's itchy literally and no it joke. hurts. And it's like, it. yeah, it lasts for a long time. So urtication, like flogging with it, I'm yeah, just like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's that is a punishment. Also, what the fuck is calamine lotion? Like, I'm ninety nine percent sure it's just expired Pepto Bismol. <laughs> you know, I don't actually know. That feels like something I should know, but I don't. I don't like use calamine because I have like other plants that I yeah. Use. Well, and also it's like it doesn't really do anything. Like, yeah, it just like makes your skin chalky and <laughs> chalky pink. and chalky and pink. So I, I new conspiracy theory just dropped. Um, is calamine lotion a different thing than Pepto Bismol? We've uh, yet so, to see the scientific sa- proof. Sound off, sound off in the comments. <laughs> so, um, when the harvesting, when you're ready to harvest, though, like in spring and early summer before it flowers, this is when you're going to harvest it. Um, you're going to focus really on the top six, uh, six inches of the plant. Um, because that's where the leaves are like a little bit more tender. You're going to have to like cook them down less, but also once they start flowering, there's higher silica content in the nettles and that can potentially irritate your kidneys. So just like be mindful of timing when you're harvesting it, you're going to want to harvest the seeds while they're still green, like just as they're beginning to like droop towards the stems. And y'all know we harvest roots in the fall or as soon as the soil thaws in the spring because nutrients fall down so we have already talked about being like common in food right uh so this is like they're really nutritious right they're considered a nourishing tonic and herbalism because they're super rich in vitamins and minerals so they contain a ton of like calcium magnesium silica iron and vitamins a c e and k and that like high mineral and chlorophyll content um gives it kind of like a slightly like salty almost swampy taste like think seaweed right like that's kind of what it tastes like especially in teas which i think is delicious so let's let's talk about herbalism though shall we uh disclaimer i'm not a doctor nick's not a doctor this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat anything please talk to your physician before starting on any new herbal regimens so it's a nutritive tonic, right? Like that's no lie. I, again, personally, I drink nettle tea like basically every single day and per ounce nettle is actually one of the most nutrient dense plants in the entire world. So one ounce of nettle supplies a hundred percent of your recommended daily calcium and 60% of the magnesium, as well as like iron, potassium, and silica with like the power punch of chlorophyll and like fun facts. Uh, chlorophyll and red blood cells are nearly identical molecularly. But the big bonus here is like, not only does nettle have like all of this, but the bioavailability of the nutrients here is like better than most dairy and even other wild greens. So it's like, not only does it contain all of this, like your body can get at it, which is awesome. So nettle is an alternative, which in herbalism is what we call things that can help like purify the blood and help with nutrient assimilation. Um, One of the things it does is help with like the neutralization of acid and the elimination of waste. And so because of that, like nettles are something that gets recommended a lot for people that are dealing with things like arthritis, gout, rheumatism, eczema, or like other skin problems that are caused by metabolic issues. But nettles are really, really great for like your your kidneys and your urinary tract system in general. They're diuretic, so they do help flush the urinary system, but they also work as like a tonic to help strengthen the kidneys. And they're sometimes recommended for um, people with kidney stones to help soften them so you can expel them. And nettle root can be used to decongest the prostate for people with benign prostatic, uh, prostatic hyperplasia. 
And it can also reduce the urinary tract uh, system like issues. Like you get a lot of inflammation sometimes and like blockages in your urinary tract system if you have an enlarged prostate. So it can really help with like issues related to the prostate. So like for older gentlemen, nettles might be a very good, a, a very good addition to your diet. Can I be gross for a second? Can I be sure. like kind of gross for a second? Um, but also, you know, like anyone who does a lot of butt stuff, sometimes you'll get um, sort of an inflamed prostate mm. from um, having things up there. And so nettles. Some so maybe maybe some nettles would be good for you too. Good. Not good. a not a scientist, but I will say, yeah, you know that that kind of feeling that it's um hard to pee. Um, yeah, it ha- it happens. It happens. Yeah. Boys. But yep. Ladies. Yep. Non-binary people with prostates. I like what was I was watching something. Oh, it was on Doctor Who, and they were like, "Ladies, gentlemen, and all variations thereof." And I was like, I like "That's sweet." Um, so nettles, though, pay attention, people in Texas and other places with bad allergens. Um, they can be used for hay fever, allergies, and asthma because they have antihistamine actions. So this person named Mittman, the scientist, conducted a clinical study in 1990 where more than half of the patients that had um, allergic rhinitis reported system abatement after taking a freeze-dried stinging nettle leaf preparation, uh, while all treated patients reported symptom improvement. Like, more than half of them were like, symptom abatement is like, it goes bye-bye. So some research suggests that like the nettles anti-inflammatory action is because of the histamine content, right? So the suggested dose for an adult, if you're using it for allergies, is like 300 milligrams twice daily of freeze-dried nettle leaf. So cool, right? Uh, Nettles are also used a lot during pregnancy and like postpartum to help increase the quality and quantity of breast milk. Um, and nettles are also a hemostatic and an astringent, right? So they can help you uh, ease uterine bleeding and hemorrhage after childbirth. But that's also why nettles are a really bomb herbal ally for people that have heavy uh, menstrual bleeding. Because not only is it hemostatic, but it also has like all that additional like iron and the minerals to help replace what your uterus is just fucking throwing out once a month. So. I could go on forever here because I genuinely like love nettles and they're so good for everything, but let's talk about magic. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a surprise that nettles are associated with the fire element. (laughs) They sting, but also the planet Mars and Thor. I loved that. Oh, love that. Yeah. Right. So there are like, like all stinging plants or like spiky plants. They're supposed to be good for protection magic. Like, Again, I use them in a daily tea ritual, which is like not only good for me, but also like magical and good for protection. But also, why not sprinkle some under your doormat? We're just going to say it. Take a drink. You can also, though, throw dried nettle into a fire to help protect you from danger. So if you're out doing one of those full moon bonfires, throw a little nettle in there for protection, both magical and, you know, from any baddies. Uh, allegedly holding nettles in your hand can help ward off ghosts. So just like make sure it's dry first. But I was talking to Eric and I was like, who's trying to ward off ghosts? Come on. I want to, I want to see a ghost. I don't want to see a ghost. 
But it is often like traditionally you'll see it uh, nettles and yarrow as a compliment as for like a strengthening and protecting sachet. So like just sew the two of those into a poppet or you can carry a small sachet with you. I also think this combo could be really good when you're traveling or like going in for a job interview. Anything where like it can be stressful, but a little bit of like protection and even some like self-esteem boosting can be helpful. Um, of course, use them as an offering to Thor. But that's, you know, that's all I've got for you today. I'm going to like kind of have to cut myself off. After doing five pages of Parsley Notes, I was like, edit, Shannon, edit. <laughs> so uh, uh, wait, what is it? Tim Gunn from Project Runway. It's like, you need to have an editing eye. Exactly. I need to have an editing eye. And I knew with Nettles I was going to have to. So my sources today, as always, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, Wikipedia, The Herbarium, and Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies by Maria Noel Groves. Um, plus just like fucking literally like two years almost of having Nettles every day. Love that. Love that. Um, so you guys, I'm talking about... I, I called this segment sauna sorcery because I love an alliteration. Like, I'm unsourced. And what I will say, diving in here, is that I did choose this topic because on the surface, it seems very witchy. Like, uh, especially because it's not a, a big part of my culture yeah. um, as a Texan. Um, I, it's just kind of hard to imagine, like, wanting to be in a sauna that much although outside is a sauna for a lot of the year in texas outside is a sauna i don't actually i don't need uh, a self-contained one because uh it regular well i mean it does occasionally get to a heat index of 120 here which is insane um and actually a true sauna is going to be anywhere between like 130 and 160 um 160 of course seems to me like that would be very fucking hot but yeah it feels like you're just like <laughs> slow roasting yourself at that point yeah 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 um that's called look that's crock pot and um, <laughs> that's like the temperature the that end. you hold queso at <laughs> right 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 um but no so if but there's a certain amount of mystery there because it's not part of my culture. And if you're like me, a few images are going to come to mind when you think about saunas. And um, perhaps they have one full of naked old people at your gym, if you are inclined to go to the gym. Um, and maybe you've gone to one at a hotel or a spa to unwind in a terry cloth bathrobe, which um, is really kind of the only time I've ever done it is at like hotels. Um, I tried to use the one at my gym and I was just like, I mean, like no offense to saunas. I think it's actually a really cool thing to do, but like a public, a, like a public utility sauna, just kind of, I, I feel like there's cum in there. I'm just going to say it. I feel uh, like there's... Probably. The only time I've done a sauna is at a spa. I did like a spa day with um my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law once. And I was just like, the problem was it was in Texas. And so I was like, I don't want to be hot anymore. That, that right, was, right, right. I, you know, I, I, I feel like saunas are just like, not for summertime in Texas, probably. Not for summertime in Texas, no. Um, and like, I would also say, like, maybe for some people out there, you're like me and you're obsessed with 
travel documentaries. So you might have even seen like this classic Finnish sauna setup with like the little wooden house, the hot stones, and the birch twigs, which we're going to talk a little bit more about the birch twigs later on. But to me, that's what I think of when I think of a sauna. Like that quintessential image. And then, you know, there's like the nudity, which some people are, you know, some people don't like it. They're the people who go to a sauna every day are going to be naked because um, that's just part of part of the culture. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like as an American, you feel icky about nudity. But like, actually, I do think it's kind of cool when it's like this sort of community communal bathing thing like they do in Japan, where it's just like um, it's not sexual. Like, it's no, there's also to me, I feel like. I mean, obviously, when I was there with my, like, mother and sister-in-law, I was not nude. But sure, sure, sure. it's, like, also the practicality of it. Like, you're getting a intense sweat on. Like, right, right, right. I'm, like, I wouldn't want damp, clingy clothes on me. Damp, that. sweaty clothes? No, no, like, no, no, no. That's no. not a, that's not the vibe. <laughs> not, not a vibe. Um, But, you know, like, surely... It's just a relaxing spa treatment and a fun way to relax, right? Don't call me Shirley. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Shirley. Um, but no, you're like you're wrong if you think that it's just a spa treatment, and you're so fucking wrong. I will say, and I, when I tell you guys this is ancient, witchy as fuck, and even involves elves. I'm not even kidding. I'm being completely serious. I feel like elves were the plot twist of the century to me. The same, I same, did same. did not see it coming. I love it. I just was not expecting elves. No, and I was like, wait, elves? But then, of course, you know, like, Finland is kind of right there between Scandinavia and Russia. And uh, they love they love elves in Scandinavia. Yeah, and... I mean, some might call it elf country. It might even be elf country. <laughs> um, but so you're probably wondering, like, how ancient can saunas be? And roughly speaking, at least three, but possibly 4,000 years old, full stop. Um, that's a long time. That's a long time. That's 30 or 40 centuries, um, if you can believe. And archaeological evidence suggests that northern Europeans were making cave entrances into saunas by sealing the entrance with animal skins as early as 1000 BC. And actually, there's um, some speculation that these certain stone rings found throughout the UK and uh, mainly Scotland. So if you think about like where where would it have the harshest winters in the UK, like Scotland, like northern UK, even going into like the Shetlands? They find these um sort of rings of stones that they think might have been sort of like the placeholders for like animal skin sauna tents. And the reason that they think these little stone circles were that is because they have found um burnt stones in the center of these and of course the burnt stone being like the stone that you put in the fire and then pour the water on um so uh do you know but but not not confirmed but you know there's there's like enough evidence there that they're like well what else could they have been doing 
Um, but truly, 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 for these like Northern European people, this was kind of a matter of life and death. So the winters in a place like Finland or Estonia are very, very harsh winters. I mean, you have to think like, we're, we're talking about a place that touches Russia and Norway even. So these are not tropical places, um, very, very harsh winters. And it wouldn't have been this sort of spa-like experience that we might enjoy and know today. Um, it would have been very, very smoky inside of a cave sauna. Um, and probably very smelly as well, considering people did not used to take baths regularly. Um, but the thing about heating with raw fire and then ventilating some of the smoke is that it literally purifies the surfaces and creates a kind of sterile space, um, which really only adds to like the other healing properties of a sauna uh, and is sometimes still used in more rustic saunas because they 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 like the smoke um and it's kind of part of it and i think you know to anyone that's like oh that's woo woo shit like it's smoke but really if you think think about it for a second like this is why smoking meats is a thing because smoking does curb microbial growth um which is why you smoke a ham uh, or, or a fish, or, or I mean, in this part of the world, a herring, a smoked herring, even. And the the smoke is antimicrobial. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, and and uh, in in um, the year one thousand BC, like pretty much nothing else is antimicrobial that you could do. So, um, and heat. I mean, the heat helps, but the smoke is also very, very cleansing in a, in a real and scientific way, uh, is kind of the point here. Um, but sort of the smoky sauna is a very similar design in principle to um, a sweat lodge. And so in, in the Americas, um, the native cultures here do um, sweat lodges and what I will say is I'm not going to be focusing on sweat lodges today and it's mini QWP time. Um, because you know that white guy with dreads who's always trying to sell you on some kind of ayahuasca excursion? That guy also apparently knows a cool Native American guy who runs a sweat lodge in Arizona. And that's literally real. I mean, living in Austin, I think I've probably heard I mean, that's why we even do a QWP is because, I mean, in Austin and I'm sure in LA, you just hear all of these outlandish things. But I think, you know, sort of white people with dreads being like, yeah, I had a spiritual experience in a sweat lodge in the desert. And it's like, oh, so much cultural appropriation. You guys, you could just go to a regular sauna. You could just go to a regular sauna because you're not a Native American. You're not. You're not. You're not. Um, and you know, actually, you want to know how I know that you're not is because I actually used to know a girl. I used to work with this girl, Ivy. Um, what, you know, maybe he listens to this, but Ivy actually was a Native American and would go to a sweat lodge with her family. And 
always, always, always was talking up the benefits for it. But you know what Ivy never did? Invited people along, okay? Because that's that's not actually the culture of that. It's um, what they call a closed practice. So we're going to be talking about Finland. We're going to be talking about Finnish saunas. Um, and, you know, my my beloved fellow white people, please, please, please stop doing stuff like this. Um, yeah, I mean, like really, you know, you can live a cool alternative lifestyle and, um, you know, have too much money without doing a cultural appropriation. Um, and it's too early for me to have to tell you this. So I'm moving on. Back to the smoke, yes. That is happening because it wasn't until the chimney was if we want to like have a gauge for how ancient saunas are um uh, they predate chimneys so when they invented the chimney it was a big innovation for sauna culture and you know this you know, in the meantime, though between sort of animal skins and caves and um stone chimneys Europe's frigid north, and especially Finland, it has grown this whole culture around the sauna as like a, a sort of community meeting place, even. And as sort of as an outsider who, again, has used a sauna maybe like five times in my life, what I do find magical about a sauna, again, just kind of looking at it as a practice, is sort of the... Um, the blend of elements even. So you've got like the little wooden house, which could easily be sort of earth, right? Heated by fire, that one's pretty obvious. Uh, you're using water to fill the air with steam. Um, and then you're also very, very, very likely using um, a stone, a heated stone, which could also be earth. And then, um, and then, you know, you've got your birch twigs and whatever other herbs you're going to end up using. So, like, really just, like, a very, very sort of witchy on the surface, even. Um, but also, kind of the blend of the blend of the four elements, it's like smoking a bong, you know, which is another very magical relaxation activity, if I do say so myself. Um, but, you know, I don't want to misspeak here, though, because as relaxing as it is to have a steam bath, the people in like Finland and Estonia and some parts of Russia and Norway take this shit very seriously. And so here are some fun sauna facts for you. There's 5 million people in Finland and 3 million saunas. So for context, there's only about 2 million cars in Finland. Yeah, I was like, that's a lot more saunas than I would have anticipated. So um, if you want to look at it one way, three out of five people in Finland have a private sauna. Um, but truly, we can assume that at least some of the people in Finland are married or have a partner. Um, or maybe even a family that they live with, God forbid. Uh, but pretty much almost every household having a private sauna. So I think you just get a sauna with your house in Finland is That's kind of 
wild. The idea. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cuckoo? Uh, but also like cool. I would so say it's cool. It's cool, but I'm like, that's a lot of saunas. That's a I feel lot. Like I would do a lot more naked saunaing if I had one in my house for sure. And actually, uh, because I was doing research for this, I did start getting ads for little like self-contained sauna sheds that you could like put in your backyard. So it's goals. It's goals for sure. It's kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, Y'all are like, our ads are weird from week to week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Um, of the pod. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, But... Yeah, so everyone in Finland has a sauna, but they might not have a car. So anyway, how else could it possibly be magical or have ritualistic significance to hang out in a sauna? So to start with, for centuries, a woman would give birth in the sauna in Finland. Um, And then you would purify a dead body in the sauna as a preparation for burial. So this is like really cradle to grave kind of vibes um so like you're born in a sauna before they had hospitals they would do palliative care in a sauna um and then they would clean your body in the sauna so like really your whole life revolves around the sauna and but there's but there's more to it than just sitting in the steam um there's also the beatings which not quite beatings uh, you know I appreciate the drama of the phrasing there but it's more of a whipping a self-flagellation if you will um, with the birch twigs and magically speaking and probably because of this ancient sonic culture birch represents purification and healing so like no 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 surprises there but from an herbalistic perspective there's compounds in birch bark that have anti-inflammatory properties and even some natural antimicrobials so um you know like it's a it's a spa thing but it's also like a very healthy thing um but even just like the the sort of whipping with the twigs also exfoliates and that's that's a big part of it as well um and, you know, if this was something that you, I mean, I I don't think birch grows here in Texas. I don't think I've ever seen a, like a birch tree, but I think they do grow in like the North. So if this if that was something that you were able to like get your hands on, they say to harvest around like the end of May, beginning of June, um, because that's when the, um, the bark is going to have like the most kind of snap to it. Um, which is what you want. Because if you're like harvesting twigs, so you want like a two foot long, two to three foot long twig so you can like hit your back with it, which is a lot of what they do. And then, um, you know, like a, a whippy, a whippy stick. So not like a main branch. You're not literally, you're literally not trying to beat yourself. It's like a whipping motion. Yeah, it's like anyone who grew up in a certain era, it's like a switch. It's, yeah, I was gonna say it's like a switch. And then there's also that thing where they're like, you can pick your own switch. Oh, which is the worst. Which is the worst. Because actually, if you pick, and you know, we don't condone corporal punishment here at Wands and Fronds, but um, I certainly experienced it as a child. Yeah. And so basically, the, the, the trick there is that if you pick a, a, a swishy, a swishy switch, 
um, it, it acts like a whip and is actually worse than a thicker switch. So, you know, for everyone out there that has to pick their own switch, <laughs> um, it's the it's kind of like the the thin one that you don't want. Um, but anywho, anywho. But uh, I would say there's aspects of Sonic culture which are beyond sort of the realm of witchy adjacent things and kind of move into fully fledged witchcraft, which yes, we're talking about the elves soon enough. Um, and I did find this lovely Tumblr post from a Finnish witch, which I lost the source for. Um, so sorry, Finnish Tumblr witch, um, you remain uncredited. But if you, I think if you Google Finnish sauna witchcraft, it's like one of the first page results somewhere. Um, but this, what she was talking about was things that people do besides birch twigs in the sauna. And actually what she had said was, um, first of all, adding rosemary and lavender and honey to your um, water bucket that you're using to, to, to make the steam. Um, obviously for those purification effects, obviously <clears throat> for a bit of, um, you know, extra relaxation. Yeah, like some aromatherapy vibes for sure. And truly one thing she did say that I didn't put down here was that no one is stopping you from lighting some candles in the sauna. So, you know, light some candles yeah. while you're at it. Light um, them before it's too steamy because uh, right, right, right. I've definitely had some very steamy baths that have done some uh, some interesting things when you're trying to light incense once it gets to a certain level of steaminess. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. Allergy season here is kicking my ass. Um, but Get you so some freeze-dried nettles, son. But so, um, when, but when we're talking about putting rosemary and lavender and even honey into the water, um, one sort of disclaimer is that you do not want to put any kind of essential oil into your sauna water. And the very, very, very valid reason for that, even though it seems like it might be kind of a shortcut, um, is those sort of when an essential oil becomes part of steam, it actually kind of stings your eyes. Like a lot of them are not good for your eyes specifically. Um, and we, you just don't want that to happen. Um, but she had also said as like alternates for the birch twigs, um, using a juniper branch, to do the beating or even uh, blackberry brambles which Ooh, juniper uh, smells so good juniper does smell so good and actually um for that she had recommended giving it like a quick blanch like a, a a dip in some very hot water and then a cool down in an ice bath because there are some compounds in juniper that can um cause skin irritation so, and it's very easy to remove by, again, just doing like a quick blanch. Like, you know, if you wanted to do like a little green bean for a niçoise salad. Yeah, it's like, treat it like greens. Treat it like greens. Um, we're not cooking, we're not cooking it. Um, 
That's You're not, not trying what... to make juniper spaghetti. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, a quick little blanche, and then you can use a juniper branch as like your your little whip. Um, and then also blackberry brambles, which um, d- don't need the um, don't need the you you know the blanches for the juniper, not the blackberry. Um, but juniper is actually a powerhouse of purification. Um, and you know something that's sort of available most of the year so you know those juniper cedars are evergreen so you know if you can't get bir- i mean because i can't get birch but i can get a shit ton of juniper at yeah. any given point i remember going on this like really great hike in um colorado actually and it was like one of the first times that i had smelled a bunch of juniper together like without the cedar around and i was like it straight up smells like gin on this mountain. Like, which is which is so nice. It it, it really right? is. Right? It's so good. Um and then she talked about the sauna elves and we're here. We're here. We get to talk about the elves. Um and that's right elves right there in the sauna. You guys in Finland, they're known as the sauna sauna tontu what a mouthful um now for those not in the know the finnish elves and the scandinavian elves look like what we would call gnomes so think pointy hat think a little beard yeah there we go right there little gnome um and that's what that's literally what we're talking about and you know so they have little statues that they have out of the elves um and, you know, it's not really important here, but we're adding some details to the story so you can kind of visualize what these little elves look like. Um, but it's considered extremely rude to not make a greeting when entering and exiting the sauna. So that's like the very least you can do. And you kind of have to um, if you're doing the finish sauna experience you have to greet the elves you have to say goodbye to the elves or 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 else um but truly what you would want to do is make a little offering of food or drink and so one thing i will say is a a lot of what goes on in a sauna is sometimes um drinking which is fine you don't want to drink too much when you're sweating because that's like dehydration city. And I'm just saying that as your friend. Um, but you know, I mean, you have one drink, have one drink if you want, but you want, but apparently the sauna elves like a little liquor. They like a little liquor. They like a little honey. Um, so you know, maybe even a little mead and you want to leave the last couple minutes of steam for the sauna elves. So you don't, you don't want to use all of the water. So when you're ready to leave, you would do like one last pour and then leave the steam in there for the sauna elves so they can chill in the steam too. Um, And this tradition actually comes from in Finland and in certain parts of Scandinavia, they believe that every building has a spirit. And so this is sort of like the specific flavor of the building spirit that that lives in saunas um but i would also say like this seems very much like a kind of fae 
And as with most kinds of fate, it does seem wise not to fuck around and find out. I mean, considering that this might be even like a 3,000-year-old tradition that doesn't seem to be going anywhere, you know, like maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe just, you know, leave the last little bit of steam and say goodbye. You know, could, wouldn't hurt, couldn't hurt. Um, and then, so she also, this same Finnish wish, I, God, I really wish I had a source because I feel bad that I'm just kind of like doing her article as a podcast segment. That's fine. Um, but no, this, these kind of visualization exercises that, that, you know, sort of witchy adjacent people would do while enjoying a sauna, which was kind of like imagining the negative energy being sweated out of you, like with your actual sweat. And also, you know, like sort of, you know, this sort of um, biofeedback principle that kind of also rules, um, you know, like the placebo effect where it's like, where you focus on like getting, flushing the toxins out of your body because sweat does carry some of the toxins out of your body, but um, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, your body can actually do a lot if you, if you are able to like focus and, and do a kind of meditation. Um, yeah. It's like the whole thing about placebo effect is really, I think just more of a testament to how awesomely powerful our brains are yeah. at like controlling our body systems. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, so you would do these like visualizations and you imagine all of the like gook, goop leaving your body um, and like really try to visualize it. And, you know, actually one of the things I do want to say is that there does seem to be some evidence that going to saunas is good for you. I mean, this part of the world is not like a blue zone, you know, where, where they call the, you know, the people where there's lots of people over a hundred but I mean, it's kind of one of those things where like dudes, especially in this part of the world do live longer than their counterparts in other parts of the world. So it's not like you have a bunch of people like living to be a hundred, but you have a lot of dudes remaining spry and healthy past their seventies, which is not happening elsewhere in the world. And, you know, it's like getting that relaxation in every day is really good for your muscles. You're detoxifying by sweating there's a lot of that goes on with that. Um, and then, it's, you know, it's also like cardio in like the way that mm -hmm. baths are like yeah, yeah, yeah. making good hot baths. I imagine that's probably part of it too, is because it it is like they they've said similar things about people that take like hot baths regularly, because by like increasing your body's core temperature, it also like really helps with your cardiovascular health, which is like a big bonus for people in most of the world because cardiovascular health tends to be the thing that does people in early. Right, right, right. And which isn't saying that going to a sauna would not be good for, you know, a female bodied person. It's just, they already tend to live longer anyway. So kind of the idea here is that you see a lot of dudes in this part of the world that are like kind of living past the, the expected age and you know I, I think saunas do probably have a lot to do with it and I did kind of want to talk about one of my favorite books too which is Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins I do love Tom Robbins and um uh, there's sort of this thing in there where 
it's sort of like a medieval king and a, a lady he meets in India and they become immortal by either chilling in a sauna or taking a really hot bath and doing stretches every day and that they literally become immortal by doing that and I you know I just I love that book and I'm just like I do think there is something to that where it's just like heat and steam and taking a little time maybe not even every single day but like regularly regularly taking some time to like just like chill the fuck out is good for you and it's almost kind of like uh like the french paradox you know where it's like french people eat so much butter and drink so much wine but they're like literally there are blue zones in france and it's like well why and it's because relaxed people live longer so full stop like stress uh, stress is like the number one carcinogen so yeah and it's again going back to like heart health like yeah it causes like cardiovascular problems which as like someone who cares a lot about herbalism and like healthy bodies and trying to help people live longer it's like your heart is very very important and regularly being stressed can cause like heart attacks and hypertension yeah. and blood yeah. pressure issues and it's like it's literally like the little engine for your body and if you blow it out yeah you're um you can't live without it nope. you can't live without it but no so there there's you know there's a developing science around this that's maybe not quite there yet as far as being able to say you know proof positive but you know, I think sort of the signs are there that this this is like a very good health practice. And so you're probably like, how the fuck do I do this at home? Like, I do not have $7,000 to buy a sauna shed, nor do I have a yard to put a sauna shed in. So why are we even talking about this? And, you know, I, I think kind of the simplest answer is your your option at home is going to be a hot bath. Uh, and but remember what I said, uh, 130 to 160 degrees, that is actually a very, very hot bath. Um, so we're not like, not a lukewarm bath. No, I like to. So my personal method of doing this, because I I love a hot bath. I take baths semi regularly is like get the bath as hot as you can stand it and then get in it and then lobster yourself. You know, it's like run more hot water into the bath while you're in it. So it's like slowly you kind of, heating it now up. Now you kind of get used to it. You kind of get used yeah. to it. Yeah, because you should be sweating. You should be sweating in a bath like this. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, one thing I will say as well for like people who do experience kind of wintry situations, um, you could put like a space heater in your bathroom and kind of preheat it which is kind of what they would do with like hot yoga is like heat up the room um but, but obviously you do not want to be running a space heater in a steamy room yeah that's dangerous but, but hot yoga just makes me think of one of my favorite jokes in the good place because one of the demons in the bad place is like yeah i'm gonna go do cold yoga i'm gonna pull so many muscles and it just Eric and I talk about that all the time. Sorry. Anyway. Um, but no, but, but but no, you could you could you could uh, sort of preheat. You could kind of preheat the bathroom, do a nice hot bath. I kind I mean, and then you know you could obviously get birch twigs or juniper twigs and beat yourself senseless in the shower. 
um, which actually I, I've always thought, uh, speaking of which, there's like a there's like a joke on Absolutely Fabulous where she's like, um, for, you know, she's like gathering up all of her stuff. She's like bronzer, um, you know, conditioner, blah, 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 birch twigs. And she's like, do I need anything else? And then the, you know, the daughter's like, soap? Um, she's got like 10 things and like a bundle of birch twigs and but um but but no I mean you you could absolutely do that um and then uh what what else was I gonna say also yeah in Texas you could just go outside so just go outside and um and exist in the heat and exist and exist yeah I mean I think too it's like there's nothing better when you're feeling under the weather than like a nice steamy shower again it's like a bundle of eucalyptus in the bathroom is really gonna elevate your experience yeah absolutely absolutely like, if you're Man, doing that and that is stuff. that is a hot tip because i because i keep I, I i keep that eucalyptus on me i'll tell you that much hell yeah it's like really good for you <clears throat> um i love this but yeah again i cannot recommend enough like slowly boiling yourself like a lobster because that's the way to get your bath water hot without ruining your day yeah you don't want to ruin your day um but also i would say you know it's like if your gym has a non-cummy sauna like it's fine actually sort of the thing is though it's like you're supposed to socialize a little bit it's like a community thing so, you know, it's like, don't be weirded out by the naked old guy and like say hello or something. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like uh, Scandinavian peoples tend to be less weird about nudity in general than like basically a lot of the areas of the world that were touched by Abrahamic religion. Crazy. Wild. Eric and I were just talking about this because Alexander Skarsgård and his family, like notoriously, are very chill with nudity. Um, I right, am right, going right. to see the Northmen today. I oh, you'll have to let me. You'll have to let me know I how will. that is because I saw Bjork is in it, and I and uh, what is it? Anya Taylor, Anna Taylor Joy. Is her name yeah. Anya or Anna? Anya. I think it's Anya Taylor Joy. Um, um but yeah. yeah, I but I saw fucking Bjork is in it, and I'm oh, like, yeah. okay. And Nicole Kidman, who I adore, but Alexander Skarsgård and I share a birthday and I do love him. Like he is, he is the type of person, almost like our friend uh, who has the double letter name where it's like, I'm not sexually attracted to him, but I would love to have him in the room as like a beautiful piece of artwork. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I know, I, I know which letter you're talking about. You do, you do. You know who I'm talking about, where it's like, I'm not into you, but you're gorgeous. And so it's nice to have beautiful people around. And, you know, I I really, really, really strongly doubt that that particular person is listening. So I will also say that being like 6'8 doesn't hurt. No. Nah, doesn't hurt. Climbing Does, like a tree, my friend. Doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to like take a very hot bath this weekend now. Oh yeah. Um, especially since Beltane is tomorrow, which I realize we didn't do a Beltane episode. I don't well, think Well, we... I was actually kind of like looking at the um the episode master and I was like, oh, should we switch it with the other next episode that we were gonna do? And then I was like, actually it's still kind of too late. 
which is fine because of everything else that happened. But happy Beltane, everyone. Yeah, um, happy late Beltane. Um, Beltane during Taurus Eclipse Portal season, which is a vibe. But before we move on to talk about the Dogda, Nick, how can people get in touch with us? Well, you guys, you know, it's like the easiest way I think is Instagram because I do get the push notifications on my phone. And if I'm on my little bus ride to work, I will absolutely be texting you back immediately. Um, So that's at Once and Franz Pod. And then like weirdly enough, our Patreon where you can see me and my my gorgeous um, Japanese changing robe with yeah. cranes on it. We're in pajamas today. We're in pajamas. I've also got early. also got my sleeping mask on, which is fun. You can see all my Totoros on my side of the bed. Oh yeah, and so um, sort of the idea though with the Patreon is that you get to watch the uh, the video recording of the episodes. You also get like a little bit more of an unfiltered take with those because it's on the video and so it's a little less edited it's a little more raw it's a little more real and also you guys like making a podcast is not free um it's not my 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 microphone wasn't free my headphones were not free podcast hosting isn't free podcast hosting is absolutely not free and I mean like look at me I'm waking up early 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 in the morning yeah for me um a bartender so uh, what I will say is that you know the patreon is patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod and even if you join at the five dollar level you're doing a lot to help keep this whole show uh on the air and you get bonus episodes like once a month at least you get bonus episodes once a month which our most recent one which is that option and the the one with me and eve Mm -hmm. um i mean i i made it so i don't actually have to listen to it um but but uh the most recent one it was actually one that i did the week of my birthday and um sometimes we do the little bonus episodes that are um, the Patio Ladies episodes, which is kind of like the lifestyle brand of Wands and Fronds. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that there's there's lots to check out. There's lots to check out. And then also, you know, if you don't want to do any of that, if you don't want to hit us up, that's fine. Like, we still love you. We're just disappointed. Um, but what you could do is you could leave us five-star review wherever you're listening right this very moment and you can even do um written reviews on spotify now and um i think we've kind of come up with like a really good template just just something to start or even you know this could be the whole thing but basically five stars okay and then what you write is this podcast is good and then that way when someone is looking up a good podcast um it shows up or shows up uh as as um a podcast that was mentioned as being good and and nick has offered very generously to do a tarot reading for anyone that leaves that as a review <laughs> really it hasn't though, happened yet it hasn't happened um but if you leave a review um and it and it just says this is a good podcast i, I will i will I'll do a little tarot pull for you um which i little... i love i adore that um awesome okay guys well this one i feel like is is like it's been a while in the making because we have talked about the Tua Dadanan many times, but we the, haven't the Hua Dadanan? 
Latuadadanan. And uh, we have not officially like covered the leader though. So today I'm gonna give you the tale of the Dagda. Um, the Dagda or good God is a Celtic deity, of course. And he has power over some small things, life and death, uh, fertility, agriculture, magic, druidry, right? Like all Beltane vibes. And I should say that like good God is actually like more a reflection of him being like a master of many skills as opposed to like his personal character. Like he's not like a, a bad dude, but like that's what good God is referring to. So when he's described, he's often described as like a big man, speaking of being like six, eight, a giant of a man, if you will, with a long and unruly beard. But overall, like he's good looking. A lot of times he's described as like his clothes never fitting quite right. But some scholars actually think that like the Christians who were writing down the like myths were maybe like a little biased and making the Dogda out to be a little less like couth than he actually was but whatever their motives like even when they're describing him as being a little oafish like he's still also always described as like witty and wise and even like a bit wily which i love i love a wily human so he can set the seasons to order with the music of his harp he can slay or resurrect a person with his club and with his cauldron he can provide a generous feast for many, uh, kind of like a bit of a loaves and fishes vibe there with his cauldron, which I love. Um, and as a druid, of course, he is a master of all things magical, military, artistry, and even mystical to boot. So he is usually said to have like these three sacred relics though, like we just kind of talked about. So like the Kara Ansik, which is his cauldron that can produce like the feast, right? So like, this particular relic is also one of the four treasures of the Tuatadanan, which were crafted in Murius. Um, the Lugmore, which is a mighty club or staff that he had that, again, it's like his the head of the club had the power to slay nine men in a single swing, and its handle could revive them with just a touch. Uh, and the Uthna, which is an ornate harp covered, uh, it's like carved out of oak. And the harp is what like places the seasons in the proper order, right? But it can also mm -hmm. command the wills and emotions of men. So like with that ability, the Dagda is often seen as like a god of order, right? So like putting everything in its place, every season in the right time and every man to their rightful action. So like Virgo vibes, which I love. It's just I, like, and I, I love that it's a harp. I mean, I know that that's like a very common motif in Celtic lore, but there actually is something that's so inherently magical about a harp for oh, some yeah. reason. Yeah, you can't play a harp and not look like you're a witch. Like, because I, 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 I don't I, understand how your fingers move like that. I, I do not either, but before we move on, and I know this is so rabbit traily, but do you remember? That like Mormon girl, Elizabeth Smart, that got kidnapped. Yeah. And she got returned. She did get returned. Like someone found her, right? Or I think the the lady of the guy that did the kidnapping, like finally called it in or something. But they did this like interview with the parents. And like she was, I guess, a heart player, you know, like uh whatever. But just like her, like dead eyed, like playing the harp, like is forever burned into my memory of just like 
like the emotionless like you have been so traumatized like you have completely shut down and you're just like playing the harp like dead-eyed and I mean I really feel for her I really feel for her like this is not like making fun but it sounds haunting it's absolutely haunt I'm absolutely haunted by this image of this like dead-eyed like 18 year old girl or whatever just like play furiously playing the harp with like no emotion whatsoever registering on her face it's wild that's wild well in addition to his harp and his other relics uh the dogda also always is said to have like two pigs with him one that's always growing and one that's always roasting which like makes me want bacon because it's brecky time yeah, uh, yeah yeah he's also the master of an orchard that produces like perennial sweet fruit and the Dogda's, like, primary home was at Brunaboyne, um, which is, like, Brunaboyne is, like, really cool. It's a series of Neolithic mounds on the banks of the River Moyne in County Neath. And if you look at them, like, the the aerial shots of them are really, really cool. Um, the These mounds were actually constructed around 3200 BCE, which makes them older than Stonehenge and the Great Pyramids. So, just saying. Uh, and a mound called Newgrange aligns with the rising sun during the winter solstice, right? Which is like kind of representing the Dogda's significance as like the lord of the seasons, the mastery over day and night. Um, but as the chief of the Tuatadana, the Dogda had many children, including Angus, Brigid, and Medir. And the Morrigan was his wife, but he also had the river goddess Bowen as a lover, which is like, hot but also i wouldn't want to cheat on the more again uh yeah that really sounds like fuck around and find out territory yeah not interested in that but uh the dogdo's parents also are kind of different from tale to tale like in some they're alatha and ethnu um and others his father was bodern um his brothers are often listed as like nuado who is king of the gods and agma um who is like a great champion warrior uh, and the Dogda and his brothers, though, they might potentially also be representing, like, a god in three persons. Because a lot of times they have, like, very similar attributes and carry titles like chief and king at the same time. So it's kind of like a triple god as opposed to goddess vibe here. Um, and in a lot of myths, like, his brothers coexisted in kind of, like, a triumvirate, right? So, like, Nuada would be king, the Dogda would be chief or an advisor, and Agma as, like, champion. So, kind of, like, three different, like, vibes, but all as, like, the same person. So, but let's talk about, like, one of his main myths, right? Because I always love talking about, like, stories that deities are in. So the Laura Gawala Aren is where we learn about the Tuatadana and coming to Ireland. We've talked about the Laura Gawala a lot. Um, if you're interested in learning about this, like the Irish Myths podcast is really, really good. And the scholar is like very Irish. So you can hear the pronunciations of stuff. I'm sure I'm still not getting everything right, but it's like really cool to like listen to him because like Laura Gawala does not sound like it's spelled. So... <laughs> If you're interested, that's a fun one. But the Tuatadanan came from like four cities north of Ireland, and they had learned like all of the arts and sciences of their time, which also includes magic, because magic was one of like the sciences, right? And a lot of mythology. But when they arrived in Ireland, they knew they were going to have to like conquer people, right? Including the Fomorians, who we have talked about. 
Um, and since it was inevitable that there would be a battle with Fomorians, and like the Fomorians were ruled by like this crazy, powerful, but very cruel King Balor. So the Dogda was like, let's kind of like fuck them over as much as we can to take them down a peg before we go fight these crazy pirates. Um, so he like worked through some schemes to like trick them out of resources, like including their sheep, which is a big deal. Um, and not the not the sheep. God damn it. He even fucked with their sheep. So on Samhain, though, he goes to his wife, the Morrigan, and like they get down to get down, make love, and then she gives like a prophecy, right? So she says, the two Adonan will be victorious over the Fomorians, but the victory will come at a price, uh, like it often does. And so at long last, both sides, the Fomorians and the two Adonan meet at Moitura in County Sligo, where they fight for control of Ireland. Uh, during the battle, both Balor and the Dogda's brother Nwada were killed or laid low, as it says often in like the myth, which I love that laid low. Um, the Dogda himself was also mortally wounded by Kethlin, who is Balor's wife, which is like kind of badass, like a lady gives the mortal blow to the Dogda. Um, and after the battle, the Dogda returns to Brunaboyne where he does eventually like succumb to his injuries and he dies and he's laid to rest in the mounds there at Brunaboyne, which is in uh, the River Boyne and where these mounds are is in the County Neath. So I really, really want to go someday. I'm like, that is on my bucket list now. Um, but, you know, at the time like of his death, the Dogda had already ruled for like 70 or 80 years, depending on the source. So like he got plenty of time as like a leader in there. So it was like, it was sad that he died, but it wasn't like a tragedy of like a leader cut short, which, you know, something to hold on to there. Right. But like so many of the Tuatadonan, like he could still be consulted by people like visiting the fairy mounds. And also they say that if you go into the other world, you can consult the Tuatadonan. So if you want to work with him, though, in your magical practice, I think it makes very logical sense to incorporate working with like the Dogda and other to a Dodanin if you have like a fairy craft practice. Uh, you can also create an altar to the Dogda. I think a cauldron is a must. Here's my cute little cauldron. Um, but remember, if you work with the Fae, not to have an iron cauldron in the place where you work with the Fae. Just like as a reminder, fairies don't like iron. Uh, I would also say that you'd want something to represent his club and his harp, since those like were three of his main things. Like for the club, you could have a cool wand, like maybe a fennel wand. Uh, you know, I think maybe more likely though, because oak is also associated with him, like an oak wand would make a lot of sense and that could represent his club. And for the harp, you could have something that like represents music. I have these cute little like turnkey like music boxes, but also my, um on my altar, I have like an old jewelry box. that's a music box, which I always love. That's, I, I do love uh music boxes. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I guess it's just, I, I guess it's like not really fashion, fashionable anymore to like make jewelry boxes as music yeah. boxes, but well, like. Let me, let me show you guys my, my other music thing. Hold on. I'm going to grab it real quick because it's literally right here on my shelf. So I had to like move stuff off of my altar because we're, you know, recording, but these are what I'm talking about. It's like. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I keep, I, I've actually been getting a bunch of ads for those lately that are like music from films. Yeah, these are the Beatles. So this is my other one. Let it be. Anyway, so I think these are really great for musical representations on your altar. Like, Wait, and also just cool. Yeah, they're cool. And they're so small because, yeah. you know, it's like all of us, our altars are crowded. Um, anyway, so also like other things that are associated with him that you can include uh, boars and pigs, horses, the color red, oak trees, oats and bread. And like you can use variations on those as offerings, but like other offerings that I've seen as like useful with the dogda are similar to things that you see with Fay, right? Like bread, butter, cream, honey, uh, of course, whiskey. Like I don't think I've covered a deity who's not into libations. So also working with the land is a really great way to honor the dogda because like seasons and agriculture is such a big thing for him. So like gardeners of the world unite. And he's a powerful deity, but he has like mastery over so many different areas that I think he's actually like, if you have a fairy craft practice, I think the Dogda is a really good candidate for like a patron deity, if you wanted to work that into like your magic. So um, yeah, so that's all I have today for the Dogda. But I I just felt like we've kind of touched all over the story of the Tua de Donnan. So it was like, oh, we should probably just like officially cover the dog duh. Yeah, and um, you know, I married to the Morrigan. That's that's intense. That's intense energy. Yeah, it's like to be able to be married to the Morrigan, I feel like you have to be pretty fucking powerful. Cause <laughs> right, right, right. Scary. I mean, she's cool, but she's like she's scary. You should she's be a scary. little bit scared of the Morrigan. If you're not, I don't know what your life is about. What even what yeah, what even are you doing? Uh, speaking of what are you doing, it's time for the tarot scope because we're very, very close to the bitter end here. And Nick finally has his own kitty cat card. Oh my God. And actually, they arrived. So here we go. Um, we've got Aquarius. Um, you know, let's see if there's anything. Um, lucky numbers three, four, nine, flower, orchid, gladiolus. Um, says pessimistic stubborn impulsive clever reliable and creative but look it's got a little well, just a little guy here it's a little yeah, bucket, bucket like of water pouring out his little his little urn cute and then for you guys this week i have drawn um the eight of swords which actually i do love this deck uh because they're symmetrical um but then if you look at the back it does have a little arrow so you know if it's reversed or not Oh, that's cool. Which, yeah, actually, you know, since these, again, it's like it doesn't really have like a top or bottom. Yeah, the it, artwork is really cool on that deck. But it does. Um, so, but for you guys, I've drawn the Eight of Swords. And this card is letting me know that you feel maybe a little trapped of late. Um, but also like, oh my God, I'm kind of back to giving some sort of harsh reality checks, apparently. Um, but this uh, state of mind is likely your own doing. And you've essentially decided that the only options are rock or hard plays. <laughs> and the world is rarely that black and white, Aquarius. Um, outside of your own mind, 
it's just not. That's just not how things are. So it's something to kind of be careful about. And perhaps there is another way, but you simply haven't gotten outside of your own head and truly looked at the options. So something to keep in mind here is, you know, kind of like up the shower principle where, you know, sort of your best ideas are going to come to you when you're not focusing on the problem. Um, you know, so like maybe it takes some time, like get in a sauna even, but like you do have to get outside of your own head to really see the, the path, the paths that you can take, because there are other options besides the really, really awful ones that you have decided are your only options. So I would say ultimately that's good news because yeah. it's, it, you're not as trapped as you think you are, but yeah. you really, you, you really need to look at things and uh, realize that. Well, I will let Nana know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that's really all I have. So I guess, what do we say to all of these hot, sweaty, sauna loving bitches? Oh, to all of you sexy, sweaty bitches. We say blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. But yeah, it's fucking early. So let's get this show on the road so we can. Yes, yes, yes. I, yeah. I, I, I have to go back to sleep. I do. I do. I'm so tired.